At the beginning, I wanted to encourage everyone, give us a review of this podcast or our podcast in general on Google My Business. And that link is in the show notes. Just click on that link. You'll have to sign into your Gmail account or your Google account. And then give us some feedback on this episode or the podcast overall. I'm trying to do an alternative to giving reviews in Apple Podcasts and just do it on Google. So the link is in the show notes. You'll have to sign into your Google account and give us a review. Well, in a lot of cases, um, those 66% of businesses that don't have these kind of plans, if something does happen, they likely may not survive right. and, and mm-hmm. stay in business. So that's why it's important to have yep. this plan in place. Um, why haven't they dealt with the issue? I think a lot of people, I mean, Alex and I were talking yesterday, I think a lot of people just don't think it's not going to happen to me. Right. Um, as well as they might be afraid of um, what costs might be involved. They might think it's too expensive. Or the other thing is so many individuals are just working so hard just to keep their business running. It's hard to take a step back and look at things like that and plan for the future and think about what do I do if some emergency comes. We are looking forward our way. We're in Studio C in the 511 Studios. That is just south of downtown Columbus in the Brewery District. This is Brett and with me as always is Carol. We have a great show lined up today and, you know, 66% of small business owners need to hear from our guests. Absolutely. Where did you get that number? Um, Oh, I don't know. Research, Google, something. (laughs) I I know you didn't pull the number out of your hair. No, 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 no. Actually, I probably got it off of the website from our guests. Probably so. There you go. You know, listeners out there, particularly those um, small businesses who are dealing with today's tech challenges, well, this is for you. Um, Let's welcome back our friend Mason Landrum from Nice Guy Technology. And he brought with him today Alex West, who is one of his supporters technicians. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for joining us today. We're glad to be here. Yeah, it's good to be here. Hey, earlier this year, Mason and Mary joined us to discuss the tidal wave of technology that hit all of us during the pandemic. We were suddenly juggling home, work, school, family, friends, all through Zoom or Microsoft Teams or Google Meet or Mm -hmm. whatever was thrown at us. Uh, Today, we're going to delve into something uh, in a different realm, issues that affect all businesses, particularly smaller organizations, business continuity and disaster recovery. With the new year approaching, this information might be the answer to many business owners' technology fears. Let's provide our listeners with an overview of your company, again, for a reset. Um, And of course, we need to let them know uh, the special meaning behind the Nice Guy technology name. Sure. We have um, been around since 2011, serving the uh, Columbus, Ohio area. Um, we are, there's a couple terms for us. We're a managed services company, or another name is um, outsourced IT. Basically, we provide IT services to small businesses that aren't quite large enough to have their own IT person, um, but still need comprehensive IT support. Right. In addition, we also support some businesses that have their own IT, and then we supplement those individuals and, and take care of some of the more menial tasks so that their their own IT people can concentrate on the bigger projects. Okay. And and it's a great story as to how you became Nice Guy Technology. Yes, that was from my wife, Mary. Uh, we were trying to come up with a name for the business, and she looked at me and she's like, you're, you're not like the normal IT guy. You're a nice guy. <laughs> 
and um, and that has stuck. And as many times of I as I have wanted to change it, every time we go to uh, some time some type of a um, conference or something like that, people walk up to me and it's like, I love the name. Don't change it. Oh wow. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. And we do have to give a shout out to Mary. We're sorry that she couldn't join us today. Um, and to thank her for coordinating all of this for us to, to get you guys here with us today. So, um, and you know, yes, uh, having a nice guy in the technical realm at your fingertip is important for those of us who have no clue what we're doing with technology. It's not always our friend. So we thank you for, you know, being with us. So. <laughs> One of the services that I just love about Nice Guy Technology is the newsletter that you send out. And it just happened that I saw the newsletter regarding business continuity and disaster recovery. That's why we came up with this topic for the day. And and there are so many small businesses. And as you said, people can't afford a full-time tech person on site. Having you back there, it, helping them is so important. But one of the um, quotes, and this is where I came up with information from your recent newsletter, 66% of small businesses with fewer than 100 employees have no tested business continuity or disaster recovery process in place. That's frightening. Two-thirds of our businesses in which we are sending them our credit cards and all that information have no sense of continuity of their technology or you know, what's going to happen if, if they get hacked or the building burns down or whatever. These issues affect the business owners. They affect all of us and, and how we deal with the businesses. So let's set the stage. Why is this important? Why haven't businesses dealt with the issue? Well, I think it's important because, wow, that number is so large. The number gets bigger once um, the company has that attack. It's likely they won't survive. They'll probably go out of business or they won't be able to recover from the uh, massive disaster. Mm -hmm. And getting it in place, I think a lot of it is just oversight in general. I mean, you're thinking about a worst, worst case scenario. You're not thinking, oh, my building's going to burn down or there's going to be some sort of natural disaster or ransomware or anything like that. So I I think the biggest thing is oversight. And then going on that, once you're thinking about it, I think the cost is another huge issue because Mm -hmm. when you're looking at the hardware that you need or sometimes the software, it is really just insane at what some companies price their software and hardware at. It's just an exponential amount. Right. You know, one of the things I always say is that we don't know what we don't know. And so when a small business is really struggling just to keep open, particularly the last couple of years, it's been tough when you're looking at uh, transportation as an issue, how to get clients in, how to get your social network out there, how to do Zoom, all those kinds of things have been happening yeah, they kind of know in the back of their head that disaster could happen and where they're praying it's not going to happen to them. But also, they may not have enough information to even know where to start, who to talk to. Is that something that you've had a reaction from from companies calling and saying, I hope you can help me? Oh, definitely. Yeah. There are a lot of people that call that have a general idea of what we do or think we are in some other realm of technology. Mm-hmm. But And one thing that we try and do, even if we're not going to end up doing uh, long-term business, is we just like to give out advice as well to other companies to make sure that they're going down the right path and they're not going to make a wrong choice or right. go down a different path that they don't need to go down. So so really, a business owner just needs to do some homework, but then just keep asking questions. Yeah, definitely. So what is that 
that, that term business continuity. I mean, and, and when does disaster recovery kick in? So business continuity, the basic idea behind it is um, trying to think about all the possible things that could happen in your business in some way or another, everything from natural disasters to um, ransomware, antivirus attacks, um, your um, network or equipment going down, or even, you know, very important individuals that are in your company that uh, may get sick or oh, have, to, right. have to be off, off for a while. What kind of policies, procedures, technology can you put in place to survive whatever it is that, that is put in place in front of you there? Well, probably one of the most common ones would be just an employee turnover. Absolutely. That they have enough information to log in to maybe do some damage. You'd have to, you have to turn that quickly, don't you? You have to turn that quickly as well as also thinking about if that person serves a very, very important role within your organization, maybe cross-training as well with someone else mm -hmm. yeah. so that when that person leaves, it's not such a huge hole. So it's a lot more business continuity planning is a lot more than just technology. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think you can just throw money at it and that will that'll fix everything. But there's a lot of policy procedures and thought mm -hmm. that need to go behind a really good business continuity plan. I, Do you I, help businesses with that then? Absolutely. With with templates basically or kind mm -hmm. of a at least a business diagram of okay, this person, this person how the connected dots based on their number of employees who the employees are. Absolutely, cuz it's going to be different for every business. Right. Um, the 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 type of work that you do um, are you localized in one building? Do you, do you have a lot of people that work out of their homes? It's very different for each business. Right. Uh, you know, I hmm. one of the uh, disasters I had in my position as the director of a nonprofit, um, working off of desktops in both the office and home, I was never really worried about losing everything, anything, any particular document or whatever, because chances were pretty good I had it in both places, even if it was an earlier version i could fix it so what do i do within a month i blew out my computer at work and i blew out my computer at home so i lost email i lost documents luckily a whole lot of the stuff had been backed up on our server at the office but all my personal stuff was gone and those are things that you just especially in a home environment you don't think about the fact that your you know hard drive is going to die when you've worked with your small business clients what are the consequences um, that have occurred because of these disasters with no plans in place? Have they been able to recover? Yeah, unfortunately, we often get called in after the disaster has right. occurred. Once the house is burned down. Yes. <laughs> so, so a lot of times we are already coming in in a recovery mode, mm -hmm. trying to piece together the data that is missing or um, try, try to, to pull the information back together. So... Um, so, so yes, it's it's a huge loss. Uh, companies we've had companies, not companies that we have worked with, but companies that we've been called into to help out afterwards, um, have lost months or years of data that they have had to either recreate or just lost altogether. Are there steps that you help them move through to do that, or is that just basically they they do what they can and not worry about the rest? I, I mean, if a company loses. Uh, 10 years worth of uh, receivables and, and invoices and things, how do you go back and fix that? Unfortunately, sometimes you can't. Hopefully, right. those companies may have paper records that they can right. go back to, but it also depends on the type of disaster that they've had. 
Um, I mean, that's just from a technological disaster. They might have, you know, paper records that they could go back mm-hmm. to. But if it has been a disaster like a flood or fire, then the, that that information mm-hmm. could have could have been missing as well. And that's why a lot of businesses, when when this happens, can't survive. Right. They can't move forward. They don't have the information anymore that they need to run their business. And that's why it's yeah. so important. When I was working for the state of Ohio, um, there was a, a, a tornado hit uh, in the Youngstown area. And it was a, a huge surprise because it hadn't really been uh, forecasted. And it just happened. It hit one of our offices and they literally found computer equipment from that office in the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, you know, they, it wasn't like luckily – the the mainframes were in Columbus and, you know, everything was backed up there and and they had, uh, I, I think we even had a walled uh, fireproof place where tapes and things were stored so that everything could eventually, you know, come back. But to actually, I mean, it's not like somebody just stole the computer. It's gone. It, it was gone and damaged and everything. So, yeah. so what are you seeing the most, co- uh, the most common cause of holding owners back? <laughs> From solid planning and implement, implementation, I mean, what, what what are maybe one or two reasons that they just are they just don't really concerned or they aren't really concerned about it? Is it money or cost? I mean, what, what's what, what do you run into that you kind of say you know yeah, but <laughs> I think I think cost is definitely a big thing. Okay. I think a lot of people don't want to spend the money on it. Is and, it the mystery of what it would cost or it truly can be the cost? Depending, again, all yeah. there are tons of variables. I get that. Depending on the situation, it could definitely just be um, the overall cost okay. or just a lot of it, I think, especially with some of the older people of how a lot of technology now is um, monthly payments. Okay, I think that is a mm-hmm. huge change for a lot of people. And just thinking about computers, how they think, oh, I've bought the computer. There's nothing else I need to do to it. Right. Where a computer is very much like a car. You're not going to buy a car and think, oh, that's all I'm going to spend on a car. Now you have to take it in to get the oil change. You're going to have to get new tires. And I think I think definitely the second thing would just be kind of a fear of it or just that mystery of not knowing what you need. Mm-hmm. Because there are there are so many variables. You don't know if you need backup, antivirus, um, just whatever it is you need that in that scenario. Yeah, Alex, you brought up a really good point because this whole disaster recovery thing isn't just buying a new computer or a new server. The the software which you may have purchased at that point in time, end sale, it was yours. You didn't have to worry about it. But to upgrade it, now you're paying a monthly fee or a yearly fee for each and every piece. Uh, you're looking at paying for cloud space. Um, lots of bits and pieces are involved. So, so cost is huge. Cost is, cost is enormous. Yeah. And yeah. are they under the impression that insurance is going to help cover this? Well, there is insurance for, okay. for, for this type of thing. And, and it will cover to a certain point, but you also have to do your due diligence in, in preparing for this. I mean, okay. insurance is just not going to come in and, 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 and be a complete savior in this particular right. case. Well, and again, insurance doesn't bring back data that's completely gone. Right. It just is going to buy the new computer, <laughs> you know, or the hardware per se, I guess. But yeah, once the data's gone, insurance can't magically poof, it's here back. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather look at it that, that the preparation that you've done to create a disaster recovery plan or a business continuity plan, the backups that you're doing, the protection that you're putting in place, that's the insurance. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, good point. Good point. And, you know, when you're talking about backups, we had a situation um, – at the office where 
we had uh, had a lot of financial information and it was backed up three times and we still lost it. There was a glitch in the software program. Um, they had done some kind of an update and wiped out a year's worth of data. Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of businesses, well, a lot of businesses don't do backups at all. Wow. And of those businesses that do backups, very few of them test those backups to make sure they can recover data from them should something happen. And you would think you would be able to rely on on a backup program and a backup um, uh, system, but oftentimes those systems do fail. And so you think you're protected, but then when you go to recover that data from the backup device, um, glitches happen and, right. and you still can't yeah. recover. Right. Well, and, and this is not to give this company a black eye. But I'm going to say the name of the of the software because it's pretty common. It was QuickBooks. Oh right? yeah, for so, us it was. So you know, you think, yeah. wow, QuickBooks, but it yeah. was a glitch in that. So it's not like it was a homemade sauce mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. this business created. It right. was pretty much common stuff, and it was Wait, just that transition between right. it being locally housed to it converting into a cloud situation, and the two didn't want to talk to to right. each other. So it's not like it's one off cheapo software. Well, right, and and we did the research and found out other people had the same issue. But but even in that situation, they can't come back and put the you know do the data entry of the of the information. Luckily, it was only a year's yeah. worth of data. Yeah. Not well, and more, again, but, again, I bring up the QuickBook names because that's a pretty good common software right, program right. that we so you can't you depend on. You think it's going to do its job. So yeah. the the other thing too, Mason, that you just said that's that's a, an important is. A business continuity plan or disaster plan is not a one and done. It's just like making sure your data is backed up every day and checking to make sure the backup is actually working. It's an ongoing process. So you're documenting what you need to do, but you also need to do it every day. Yes, and and on a regular basis, a company really should be going through a uh, recovery scenario. They should be staging a situation, okay, this server went down how long is it going to take us to get that server back up again? Or right. um, this situation occurred, um, uh, you know, actually going through, like playing through a scenario and seeing if the plan that you have in place actually works. Oh, good point. Good point. Okay, so so let's go for an example then. Um, you know, uh, businessman um, Joe Smith calls you and said, oh, yeah, my friend, uh, you know, Fred George over here had a complete implosion of his system. I don't want that to happen to me. What do I do? What are the first questions that you ask them? What are the steps that you guide them through? And the big thing I think, too, that if business owners haven't done their homework, what should their expectations be? What should they think is going to happen and not going to happen in this process? Um, I think the first thing in my mind is the is whether or not they have a server. I think a lot of businesses are moving away from server. They're going for um, cloud applications or things mm-hmm. that are hosted in the cloud. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge thing you don't have to worry about. I mean, because if all of your data is stored onto one piece and you lose that, then everything is just gone. Whereas if it's in the cloud, there would have to be a lot of different scenarios to go on where you would lose data from the cloud. Mm-hmm. But there is a cost. Oh, definitely. I mean, as opposed to paying for a server, that cloud space is a monthly fee yeah but in my mind i mean if you're if you're getting a server you're going to spend anywhere between five and fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars whereas if you're storing data on the cloud you could be looking at 50 to 200 300 a month so it'll catch up at some point but in 
the long term, I think cloud makes more sense. And then, so in a cloud scenario, it's that is replicated, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's replicated. That's, that's why it's safer. It, it's replicated, and even you can um, take your own. There are pieces of software that you can use to back up. So you have a backup of all of your cloud data as well. Oh, that's Depen a good point. Because if you software. stop paying that monthly fee, is the data gone? Generally, not immediately. Like if you're using something like Dropbox or OneDrive, you'll have, I, I think it's 30 to 90 days to get your data off mm -hmm. of the cloud. But there aren't a lot of pieces of software that are just going to cut you off and mm -hmm. kill out all your data. Right. Because okay. I, I, I think that's a mystery to a lot of people understanding that, you know, they hear the cloud. I think we get our minds wrapped around the cloud. We know it's not the cloud, but it's somewhere. But I think, you know, it's kind of going down a rabbit hole, but understanding that's why cloud-based is a, is safer because of the replication that it's, your data is in Ohio and it's also in Texas. It's all, you know, it, it's in the, so the power grid goes down in one place. The power grid would have to go down everywhere. Exactly. For everything. That, so it's one of those, your, your data is safe, but in, in multiple states mm -hmm. to, to be that way. And I think, I think if business owners, even individuals understand, and that, that's all as I know, so <laughs> as deep <laughs> as I can go, but it gives me security of my knowing, okay, I'm good to put stuff in the cloud because of that. That makes sense now. Yeah, a lot of people are afraid of the cloud, though, because it's it's this kind of unknown thing. Right. Where is my data going? Yeah. Where are servers physically? I and, know it's right there in the closet, and I, I, I'm well, it's mine. You and know, also, who, who else has access to it? Right. If it's out there floating around in the cloud, yeah. can somebody grab it? Right. Well, and you, but that's the thing. You've got these companies, large companies, and they're they are hugely focused on the security of that data because if they're not, you're not going to trust them, and you're not going to pay them to store that information there. Right. In almost every case, even though it doesn't feel like it, storing your data in a cloud position is going to be more secure than keeping it on your local server. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have the the money and the equipment in place to protect that server as well as that cloud service provider is, mm -hmm. is doing with their equipment. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back. You found out the guy has a server. Mm -hmm. Then what are the next steps that you take them through? Well, there's a couple of things that we can do. So... The basic thing is that we're going to put, um, if they choose us, we're going to put our software on their computer so that we're creating backups. Another really cool tool that um, we haven't had to use but we've put on other computers is a piece of software that will virtualize your server if it goes down so you can access it and all of the data that is on there. So sort of making a replication of it? Kind of. It's, it's making a virtual computer that you can access through the cloud and oh until you get another server, you can access that as it was your physical server. Okay. And then once you have that, the next step would definitely be getting antivirus or anti-malware software onto that computer because a lot of companies that we have done work with, either they don't have any software on their server or they are running um, an older version of the server software. So it is a lot easier to get access to that server and is a lot more vulnerable to attacks from um, hackers or whoever's mm -hmm. trying to get access to that server. So when you're doing this, the consulting and helping a company create um, the business plan, I, I guess in my mind, a business plan is something that's written. It may not, not be on a piece of paper, it may be an electronic document, but it's written. So how does that get created? Are, is it like a lot of boilerplate stuff that you put together for them or do they have to sit down and do it or... 
Well, it starts with boilerplate information because there are a lot of pieces of a disaster recovery or, or continuity plan that are, that are going to be th things that are going to be the same for, for every, um, every business. How they do that particular piece is going to be different, but it, it is a very collaborative project. I mean, you need to involve multiple people within your organization from, from the top down that know all the moving pieces of your business so that you can cover those things. Something as minor as um, we just recently had a business that there was doing, there was some construction outside and the people doing the construction took down the phone lines leading to that building. They could no longer receive calls. So even something minor that if something like that happens, who do we call? How do we get numbers forwarded to a, a cell phone temporarily so that we can continue to do business in case something even as minor as that happens. Right, right. Oh, good point. Um, one of the things that we talked about um, as we were preparing for this is looking at um, different attitudes on technology because of our backgrounds. And I, so I was sort of, we were, I was laughing because I was telling Alex how I could remember black and white TV, you know, <laughs> That's not a concept that anybody has today. Um, when you're doing those disaster plans, do you find it easier to work with business owners who are maybe more tech savvy or do business owners who have not had enough technology background? Is that part of the problem of not getting these plans created? I think a lot of it is two simple things. It's just attitude and trust. I think mm -hmm. a lot Good of point. people um, either want different opinions on it or or necessarily think they know how something works when they may not or just entrusting all of their sensitive data to two people they don't know that well mm -hmm. and i think it's just understanding that we're not out to harm them in any way necessary and we just want to make sure that they are going to be able to survive a disaster if that happens to them and that we can be there for them uh, your company's called Nice Guy Technology. They should, they're coming to you because they should trust you, right? <laughs> right. You'd think, wouldn't you? Exactly. Uh, yeah. One of the questions we discussed last time focused on the issues of workers staying at home during the pandemic and the vulnerability of their own computers as well as the employer's network, a whole different scenario. Uh, than, than everybody going into the office. Can you give us some tips on how to keep your own home computers and devices safe as well as tips for employers on how to avoid disastrous work from home situations? And, and maybe the two don't cross, but it's one of those, it, it's a reality. It, it really it really is, and, and, and there's a lot of similarities. Um, it doesn't matter if we have worked with residential individuals in the past or businesses. I always say, Back up your data. Back up, back up, back up. That's the most important thing that you can do to survive almost any situation that occurs. If you have the data that you can go back to and recover, then you can stay in business. Okay. Um, you can always replace the computer, um, but the, the data is, is what's important. Um, well, that's the first thing you go into an Apple store or any computer store. They're going to ask you, did you back up your data? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. that, I, I, to a point, I know well, and, I, that's the question is asked. Did you, when's the last time you backed up or did you back up? Well, mm -hmm. and two, you, you don't have to pay a ransom for data you got. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, right. bottom line, they could, they could ask all they wanted. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> exactly. So we often recommend uh, cloud services for backup as well because it's one of those things that you can install and you almost can forget about it. 
as long as you're connected to the internet, it's backing up your data in the background. So uh, a lot of people think of backup as attaching an external drive to their computer and copying data to that. You definitely still can do that. And we actually recommend both. Um, but you have to remember to do that. You have mm-hmm. to remember to connect that and you have to remember to click on the backup button to, to do that. With a cloud service, it just happens in the background automatically. Um, in addition, you know, a good antivirus program is absolutely essential um, in in today's world. Um, the number of virus, um, sorry, viruses or ransomware that are created every day is just growing. It's it's not getting better. Mm-hmm. It's it's growing worse. So you do need that protection, and that's our recommendation. Whether you're a home user or whether you're a business user, you have to have the backup. You have to have the security protection. Right. Are you a fan of the free? malware and and virus programs? I think there are some good things out there, um, but I, I think as with anything, it's you get what you pay for. That's what I kind of, I mean, some do have a good reputation and a lot of them offer it for free because it's a, hey, more coverage, pay X amount of dollars. It, it may be just that comfort's like, okay, this company, it's been doing a good job, blah, blah, blah. I'll, I'll pay the extra $5 a month or whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a fine business plan and such but i'm just kind of curious if you're seeing that yeah if it's free really pay for it (laughs) you know that sort of thing yeah well and i think it's kind of interesting the ploys that these that the companies for software or back uh, antivirus software um if i hear something that i got to pay for it every month i'm like oh you've got to be kidding me but if they go oh but we have a sale and it's only 130 dollars for the year oh okay fine no problem (laughs) you know it's like they they gotcha they gotcha I wanted to ask you as well, too, uh, looking at, you know, I like that you brought up about the, you know, the external drive backing up. Cloud services, are you talking the, the basic of like a, a Dropbox, uh, Google Drive? I mean, what are you talking about in regards to cloud backup? And not necessarily specific brands, but what what works? Sure, that's a good point. Um a lot of people do think that Dropbox or Google Drive or Microsoft OneDrive are backup tools, and they're really not. They're more synchronization tools. They're really good tools for if you have multiple computers and you put, say, Dropbox on those multiple computers, then whatever you put in Dropbox on one shows up on the other. The problem is if you would get ransomware or something like that, so a file in Dropbox gets encrypted or infected on one computer, that is also going to get replicated then to the other computer. So when I'm talking about backup services, I'm talking um, more about services like um, uh, Carbonite is a common name, Backblaze. Um, you can help me with this, Alex, if you can think of it. Yeah, Carbonite's been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because I, mean, I recognize that name as well, too. So mm-hmm. Yeah, Mosey. Um, I think is one that's been around for a while. So those are dedicated. The the whole idea of a backup is that you're able to go back in time and recover a file that maybe you deleted a month ago or something like that. Um, So that's the, you know, that's the, that's what you're really looking for in a backup program is. Okay. Yeah. So in the Mac world, you've got the time machine software built right into it, built right into it. So you're connecting that to at least an external hard drive, but better to go 
to a cloud somewhere as well too with both. that. Yeah, we both. recommend both. Recommend both. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because the idea is, if you need to recover something quickly, uh, the external drive is the way to do it. You can connect mm-hmm. it and reco- recover a lot of data very quickly. The problem with that, though, also is, um, say you have a laptop and an external drive, you're probably going to carry those together in the same bag. If that bag gets stolen or something happens and that gets destroyed, your backup's going to get destroyed as right. well. So that's right. where the uh, online backup. Um, service it's, comes it's really developing good habits then, isn't it? Yes. It really is of doing, okay, well, I'm going to do this and this is going to happen every day, every other day, whatever. I mean, at least mm-hmm. a couple of days, three days a week. I mean, whatever, the you know, dedicate every day with, a, you know, the, the, the F days, Fridays, you do it, you know, at least once a week to mm-hmm. get get that information in there, mm-hmm. depending on your data load and what, what you're carrying and what you need to back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and. One of one of the things that I learned a long time ago is that when the computer tells you that your software and hardware need to be updated, do that update. Um, oftentimes, those are the things that are keeping your computer secure. So they are they're, they're kind of a double edged sword uh, because updates can cause problems. Oh as yes, well, but they're <laughs> a nece- they're a necessary evil. Alex, before we started recording, we talked about in our previous recording session with Mary and Mason talking about the generation gap. Uh, whether it's just how we talk to each other about technology, how we use technology, uh, you know, our audience is over 50. So we didn't grow up with technology in our hands like you guys did. Good or bad, doesn't matter. It's a reality. We didn't do that. So um, Mason had mentioned that you work with quite a few, that that's, you've got a good handle on working with that generation of, of helping them get on board, you know, understanding the technology. So, how do you do that? How, how, how do you become patient with that older adult who's learning and, and earnestly wanting to? But it, there's a lot of terminology to grasp about this. And, and, and on the other side of it as well, too, how can that person help you help them? I think it's just patience. I mean, thankfully, I've had a lot of training with my mother who is not good at technology. <laughs> there you go. But, okay, um, good. That's good. That, that's a good background to know, though, walking into working with a person. It's like, where are you coming from? It's like, well, I worked with my mom a long time, and she she grasps the iPad now. And I can say, okay, that, that's a security blanket for the person you're working with. It's like, okay, he's not just doing it because he's he has to for a school project right. or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, or or the, oh, it's my job here. I have to do it. <laughs> you know, sort of thing. But yeah, so go They're ahead. paying yeah. me. I have to. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And I think the next thing is just realizing, like you said, how they didn't grow up with it. Um, people my age just have to understand that there are also going to be different areas that they have a lot more knowledge than I'm going to. And just trying to find the best way to explain all of this to them. Because I can pick up kind of any sort of new piece of technology and get a general idea of what I need to do. Or if I need to set something up, I, I kind of know where to go. Whereas a lot of older people don't necessarily know where to start. And I think a huge thing is just getting comfortable with whatever piece of machine that you're using. You need to understand that it is not as hard as you think it is. And once you have a routine and you know what you're doing, it's going to be really easy to learn more things and to be able to branch out and be comfortable with technology. Mm-hmm. And, and I think also, at least this has helped me, is that this this thing was built to help me. It's, it's a tool. Right. It's a tool yeah. you know, to help you do what you want to do, even if it is to connect with your grandkids across the country and you want to see them on Zoom because of the screen. This is the way to do it. It's a tool. So don't be scared of it. It's, it's built for you. Yeah. And, and you can't really use. blow it up. 
You can't. Exactly. You know, that, yeah. that's, that's always been my notion of, of when I bought my, the first computer for my parents and turned it on. My mom had worked on computers in her job, but they were canned programs, um, hardwired into a server right at the office. You know, it, but it, so it wasn't like she had to turn it on. And know what to do when it turned on. And I just looked at her and go, you can't blow this up. You can't, you can't destroy it. So just play. Because there's always a reset button if you exactly. happen to play too much. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we'll get back to factory exactly. specs and we'll be okay. The, be, the best thing they, they created was that little, you know, the little arrow, the, you know, back button. The uh, undo. undo. The undo. Right, right. Have, have you seen a difference in older individuals since the pandemic because we were forced in using technology in new we, new ways? I think there is. Um, but I think that also adds another um, level to it. I mean, like, if you're just trying to easily talk to people in your work and it's just one small issue that's preventing you to do that, then it's really hard for any of them to help you. You kind of have to troubleshoot that on yourself or you mm -hmm. have to be the one that's looking up the answers of, oh, geez, what do I need to do? That's also kind of where we come in. If you're having that trouble, we can remote into your computer. We can see what's going on, and we can help you do that without having to leave your house or have someone else come to your house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of the, the things that I'm assuming is part of disaster recovery plans are tips to make sure people don't do things like open uh, emails and click on something without knowing what they're clicking on. Are there tips that we should also recognize Little things both at home and at work that um, can keep you away from a disaster that easily? I think a huge thing is whenever you're getting like a phishing email, text, however it's coming to you, if they're telling you, oh, you just got a huge transfer, click on this to enter it. Never click on a link. Go to your bank app or go to the website of where you know this is not going to harm anything. Mm -hmm. Do what you normally do to get in to see if that is a, a real text or not. Right. And if it's not, then you know that you can avo you avoid it or you can block the number or however you want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many millions of dollars I've not taken advantage of between emails and texts and spam phone calls and, and the whole nine yards. I mean, we're getting bombarded with this stuff. So always, always, always uh, think before you click. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, well, basically, yeah. if it's a link that they want you to click on and then log in, don't do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mason, we talked in the beginning of this about the newsletter that you're sending out from Nice Guy Technology. Are there any other services or things that folks should look at on your website, um, ideas and, and information that's available for them? Well, if you're a small business owner, um, I mean, that's the, you are the type of individual that we are here to serve. Um, and so we have a lot of resources on our website. You can also sign up for the newsletter um, that Carol was mentioning earlier, um, as well as always, we're always available for free advice. Advice is free. Um, give us a call, send us an email. Um, you can chat with us right from the website and uh, we're, we're happy to help you out as, as best we can. And then we'd also love to have you as a customer as well. Wonderful, because as, as we mentioned earlier, you don't know what you don't know. So you have to have some place to start those questions. Right, and, and one of the things I was thinking about earlier when Alex was talking about working with older individuals, we kind of have a policy with a nice guy technology. There aren't no stupid questions. 
Right. Do, be, do not be afraid to ask a question that you think might be a silly question because oftentimes it's not, um, or it's important to you. And if mm-hmm. it's important to you, then it's important to us. Mm-hmm. Right. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thanks for, to both of you, Alex, Mason, for you know joining us. Again, another information-packed <laughs> episode. Uh, and we knew it would be. So, you know, don't forget to check out our show notes for contact information for Nice Guy Technology. We're going to make it easy for that. You can trust that click, <laughs> that <laughs> yes. link. We're just going right, to go right back to their website. We're looking forward to hearing your feedback on this or any of our podcast episodes. You know, we've been uh, focusing on the last few episodes and will in the future too and some more small business pieces to it, whether it's about small business or women business owners and such. So we thought this would be important to bring to the to the forefront to bring Especially, a bit small business and as well as individual about right. technology. And and really we want to try starting the new year with our businesses being on track and ready to go and dive into a new year that hopefully we won't have any blips out there on the screen again so so thank you both for coming to join us today we really appreciate it thank you for having us it was a pleasure